Hello and welcome back to the, the Teach Podcast with me, Charlie. Where um this week we're gonna watch I'd say I, I think in comparison to some of the in some of the weeks we've had <laughs> in the past, yes, definitely much more of a kind of high spirited feel feel good vibe to this one. Yeah. Uh definitely. Yeah. We watched Wes Anderson's uh, adaptation of Fantastic Mr. Fox, which came out um, about, I think, it, looked, it oh, came really? out 11 I years ago. It was that. Yeah, it's, and it's not, it does not look dated, it's dated <laughs> well, in the slightest. It's, that's because Foxy's, Foxy's haven't really come on so, in terms of fashion. <laughs> Evolved. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, like, animation wise, animation wise, right? <laughs> God, that fox. This was before the Great was from Fox Revolution. Two thousands, because the Foxies in the two thousand tens are so on point. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, no, you know what I mean with the animation. Yeah, it's style, quite, it's, you know it's kind of uh, timeless, exactly. isn't it? In 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 terms of, the, I think stop motion animation mm-hmm. is a little bit like that. Like I, I remember uh, the stop motion stuff. I remember from a kid it was like Jason and the Argonauts. Where you had like these weird stop motion skeletons attacking mm. people, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess it's the same with like Wallace and Gromit. We were watching that last night, and that hasn't really that doesn't look no. dated. And I wonder, dated, but, dated. Do you know? Like, sure, the animation is a bit kind of old, but like, it's quite cool, isn't it's it? Still amazing the, how they do it. The, if you watch like an old hand drawn animated movie, like a, you know, Sleeping Beauty or Beauty and the Beast or things like that, then they do look because so much more of it is done on computer whereas because this is done with models and puppets and stuff maybe that's what stops it from dating so badly possibly yeah yeah no and it's also like you said it was timeless so it wasn't really set in a period period you know yeah. it was more just kind of in a non kind of disclosed yeah. you know, parallel timeless universe but Good. no I, I really enjoyed it Good. so where do, uh, where do we start are we getting a classic Charlie Henderson synopsis <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, <laughs> well, I'm just thinking because I, I was discussing this with my uh-huh. mom because my mom's a primary school teacher. And she was, <laughs> and you know that obviously. I've been monitoring her for the past forty <laughs> years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's so she recently uh, read the book okay. with her class, obviously. Yeah. it's a real bell book. And I think it, I, I, the last time I read the book was probably when I was about six or seven. So naturally i don't i don't i didn't really know if how right. i don't really know how similar it is like because so, i so i'm gonna i don't so i don't know if the film adaptation's different to the to the book i don't know how much they change but that should not affect the charlie <laughs> synopsis so okay man. here we go here we go i don't I was, just, I was just wondering to myself so um it's it's a universe it's a universe where animals they can talk and that they live in Semi-human civilizations, yeah, away from humans, but humans are still <laughs> humans. So George Clooney, who looks like a fox, he, um, him and his family, um, they they live yep. underground, and he's like, you know what? Let's, you know what? What I used I used to hunt foxes. I but <laughs> no, he didn't. He used to hunt cannibals. Goodness me, fantastic, <laughs> Mister Cannibal. <laughs> No, he said I used to he used to go and steal chickens and and all these um all these birds for to feed for his family him and Meryl Streep, but he said no enough's enough yeah. I'm gonna raise a family, 
but it's it, it's about 11 years later and they're living underground and he's like do you know what i'm sick of living underground let's let's buy a house a proper house so he goes and meets uh bill murray who's a who's a badger and he's all like do you know what you should let's let's and he's all like let's buy this tree and then bill murray's like nah because don't buy the tree because bogus bunsen bean they live there and they're like the deadliest dudes in the land and he's like no but we're gonna we're gonna do it anyway and then they buy the tree and and secretly mr fox goes out with his i well is is kind of he goes out with this little <laughs> mole rat thing and they and they steal they steal chickens and cider and um goose from the, these three farmers and they sort of sort a war between them that affects not just fantastic mr fox but the whole animal civilization <laughs> And it's good. And it's good. That's the last line of the synopsis. Oh, whenever I, and it's good. whenever I, whenever you get to one of the ends of these synopses, I always think if Charlie was in a room with a film producer at a studio, and the film hadn't been made yet, right? This was yeah. your, this was the pitch. Would the film producer want to make that movie? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, and and that it does make me think. Well, it's like these. It's like. It's like these these uh, pitch meetings. Yeah. It's, it's, have you not seen the guy on YouTube who does these like, pitch meetings? And he's like, he just do, he's do, well, he does exactly what I do. He just pitches the movie in the dumbest way possible, but it is still the movie. Yeah. We'll, give so you, like, we'll give you sixty yeah, million dollars for that. <laughs> no problem. Go for yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> but no, that is that is the movie, is the and, movie. Uh, and 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 it did get made, um, mm-hmm. even though it's it's really bizarre. <laughs> it I think you said earlier on, like how close was it to? the source material and I I, ne- I loved Roald Dahl yeah. but I never read Fanta- Fantastic Mr Fox I, I loved like James and the Giant Peach and the Twits and those kind of books but I never read Fantastic Mr Fox but it's most yeah, famous but I'm going to guess maybe. that it maybe wasn't it, it would have been close in the sense of all the same characters were in it but, but the dialogue was obviously mm-hmm. much more up to date and cool and um, the characters, yeah. the characterization of the different animals was probably a lot more uh, modern in terms of like how the teenage boys behaved and the, the kids, the kids behaved, things like that. Um, so I'm going to guess it was like core source material only, and the rest of it was just whatever came out of Wes Anderson's head. Because uh, he's got such a weird style and, and uh, yeah. makes such weird films anyway, that it, but it was quite a good, quite a good match uh, for this film, I think. So from what? Oh no, totally, I'd agree. I think he was he was definitely the right choice to do it. From what from what I've from from what I remember and what I've said to my mum, I think the first half of the film is fairly kind of similar to the books in the sense that they buy the house and they rob the ah, okay. things for a while and Meryl Streep is about like, yo, what are you doing? And he's like, we're going to parties. I think that's fairly this I think that's basically the same. But I think I don't know if you know how he has the in this book in this movie that um Fantastic Mr. Fox's um yeah. nephew comes over, who's a bit of a kind of quirky character. Ah, okay. I, I don't know if that's from the books. And then I don't know about everything after I don't know about everything after. I I definitely right. remember they dig him out of the hole. I I think, and I think they get his tail. But I don't know about like all the supermarket <laughs> stuff at the end. Like I don't think it ends with the supermarket. And I don't think I don't know if they go into a motorbike 
I do, yeah, so I think he does change it, but I think it, in many ways it does work. Like, there's still some stuff that's a bit like, uh, but I think yeah. for the most part, he um he adapted, he, 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 did, he did well with the adaption. I mean, we haven't really talked about adaptions. What do you think makes a good film, a book to film or book to TV adaption? Uh, it's, oh gosh, it's really hard because you, you, if you've read the book, then a book's so big and so sprawling, there's so many different mm. little features that you can focus on that you're never going to please everyone in the audience when you then go and make a film or a TV series out of it no. because different people focus on, love different things. Um, I think it's... Yeah. It, it's, I, think, it, I, think... I suppose it's just about how do I make sure that it's entertaining and the crucial parts are involved, but also it, the tricky thing is with a movie as well, right? You've also got to try and bring in a new audience to it because more people will go and see a movie than read a book or, or more people are yeah. like to watch a 90 minute movie than they are to read the full book so um, you've, you've got to make it quite appealing uh, to, to new audiences as well so that's probably why you need to make it current um, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know I mean you've, you you said you read the book years ago but it was a long time ago do you, what, what do you prefer if you're looking what, what are your kind of favourite adaptations of Movies into books. I know you love the Harry Potter or books into movies rather. I know you love the Harry Potter books, but did you see, feel the same way about the movies? I mean, casting wise in the Harry Potter movies, didn't they? Yeah. But I think in terms of Harry Potter, there's such a vast amount of lore that they couldn't, they, they had to accept, I think, that they couldn't get it all in. Like, I mean, a yeah. primary example is I don't know if you know, can remember this character, you know, Peeves the Ghost. No, I don't so even he's know. Like, so he's like, you've re- have you read the books? No, I've never read the Harry Potter. Oh, no. And... <laughs> I'm, afraid, I'm afraid not. I'm sorry. No. I don't realise your reaction would be so, no. so, so concerned. I'm sorry um, to disappoint you. No, so you won't know that character because he's not in the movies, but he's like yeah. he's like the ghost. He's like the, tr- the kind of troublesome ghost who's kind of... Okay. He kind of pops in and out, but he sort of just teases everyone and irritates everyone. But... Um, right. And like, there's a lot of stuff with the ghosts that they leave out, which is actually quite good. And they do leave out a bunch of stuff. But I think to get a good adaptation on screen or on um, TV, you've kind of got to you can't you can't take away stuff unless you're going to take away a lot of stuff. You can't take away stuff. You have to change stuff, and you have to or you add. You change or you add, in my opinion. You don't. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think you should be taking away huge parts of the story. Not like important stuff. Like not just the end of it. You know. But like. <laughs> certain characters instead of taking out characters you change characters or instead of or add this to me you know what i mean because you've still you've got you've got a you've sort of got two key audiences that you have to please you've got the audience that have read the books and want to see the adaptation of it yeah and then you've got the audience that are like yo that's been made into a book did i read it no let me just switch it on because i'm you know gonna i'd rather like you say watch a movie or watch a tv program than a book so you've got to please You've got to make it captivating for the people, the new people in, but then you've also got to change some stuff and make it a bit more different for the existing uh, fan base to make them still hooked. Do you know what I mean, you don't want to do a frame for yeah. frame because they've already kind of seen it. So I think you have to add some new factor or part or tension that would make them kind of more hooked. Do you know? Yeah, and with something like Fantastic Mr. Fox, so that that was written. In oh, actually, this is terrible. I, can't, I don't Let know. Let me Google. Let me Google. 50s, 60s, 70s, something like that. That's probably that's crazy. But we're talking, we're talking a good 50, 60 years ago, right? And the way people speak has changed. So you, you know, for, for example, 
1970, okay, so mm-hmm. 50, 50 years ago. Um, you know, the way people behave has changed, the way people speak has changed. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, in order to make it current, you probably couldn't just make a direct remake because the language wouldn't feel the same. The behaviours, the actions of certain characters wouldn't wouldn't be the same. Yeah. So um, you do have to make changes. And, and then it just becomes about the bravery of the, the writer and the director in terms of trying to work out, well, are those changes still faithful to the original characters so that people, yeah. st- if, if they loved Mr. Fox as a character, and now we've got George Clooney playing him with this kind of very cool confidence, but he's he's got he's got a little <laughs> he's got a little whistle and click noise yeah. to show how cool and chilled out he is, and he's obviously <laughs> he, he's very quick witted and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. How, but, and and that's all characterization. But how do we frame it in a modern way so that he still comes across as behaving in a way which we would expect someone to behave? We don't feel like we're watching a period stop motion. Animated yeah. movie, we feel like we're watching something current and up to date. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking at when this came out and having a look at a book cover. Okay. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot what it was in Scots. <laughs> Roald Dahl's The Sleek at Mr. Todd. <laughs> oh, really? The Sleek yeah. at Mr. Todd. Very good. But no, I think I'd agree. I'd agree with the uh, and for for something that did come out in 2009, it isn't dated. I wouldn't say that any of these references are like, do you know, like no, sometimes no. in more recent films they put in like a characteral dab. Or a character will do Gangnam Style, or the character will floss, and you're like, even now that's cringy. I imagine what it's going to be like in twenty years. Do you know? Yeah. Everyone's going to be like, bloody hell. Do you know? Well, but I would say just, in this, this yeah. is. I'd say in this, this is, this is fine. There's nothing that's like, oh goodness me, that was so 2009. It's all fairly kind of not bad. Do you know? Yeah, yeah good show. Yeah, so it's not, it's not picking up on like the fads. Of the generation that it's no. trying to appeal to, it's 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 preventing some of that stuff mm-hmm. getting into it and just being more natural. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Really good point. Because it does it does feel really natural. As daft as it sounds, like as daft as that synopsis <laughs> sounded, you, you still accept it. Do you know what I mean? You still accept yeah. that you're watching. Yeah, it's a couple of foxes and a possum and a badger, and they're you know, taking on the farmers, you, you kind of accept it. And that's testament to the actors and the dialogue as well, right? You, you go along on that little journey with them, even though you know it's absolute nonsense. Yeah. Um, but but that's uh, that's testament to how well how well made it was. And you'd seen this before, right? You'd, you'd watched this before and really enjoyed it. I had, a while ago though, like um, maybe like yeah. five years ago, but like still forgot enough to, forgot enough to enjoy it like I'd watched it. Nearly, but you hadn't you hadn't seen this yeah. before. I remember being like, "Yo, hold no. on, you haven't seen this before." What, no, what, I hadn't seen it, and you enjoy, and you enjoyed it by the sounds of things. Yeah, it, it's it's not going to be like my favorite film that we've watched so far. Okay, um, but I enjoyed it. Just I think I enjoyed some of the, the daftness of it, and it's the same as with Wes Anderson's live action movies that I've seen before. It, mm. The the stories. I never actually find the stories that compelling, but I do like the weirdness and the quirkiness of it. Um, so try to think like like one of my favorite things about it was they have a they have a game um in the movie called Whack Bat, mm-hmm. which doesn't take up a huge amount of the movie. It nope. probably takes up about 60 seconds, 90 seconds. But there's yeah, one scene where the coach explains Whack Bat. And that was probably <laughs> my favorite bit of the whole film because yeah, it's yeah. just the most mental game. That's a good. But it was ex- explained so clearly by by the coach. Yeah. <laughs> and so 
And it sounded like that's probably how I sound trying to explain like the offside rule to someone who's never seen football before or never been involved in football. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it was that. What that bit was very funny. Like he is. You can, I, I'm trying to think. I can't picture. I'm just typing in Wes Anderson right now. I've heard, like, I've heard of him. Like, I know of him. But I've just. What What was his most probably his most famous movie? Um, I think. Uh, possibly, did he do the Budapest Grand Budapest Hotel? Yes, I mean, we said we'd watch that. Um, yeah, that's probably been his most successful. Um, mm-hmm. And after that, he's, uh, what he tends to do is have very big casts, and there's a lot of actors who want to work with him. And that okay. normally tells you a couple of things. It normally tells you that um, people have a lot of fun working with him and want mm-hmm. to work with him and also feel like they're going to get a chance to act their socks off and also feel they're going to be in something which is high quality yeah um but it's weird because his movies aren't his movies are always very funny but they're not typically funny it's not like laugh out loud belly laugh um you know dumb and dumber Mm -hmm. crazy funny it's it's more absurd an absurd comedy yeah absolutely it is more absurd sums it up quite nicely and yeah and he focuses a lot on family. A lot of his movies are about family. I don't think Fantastic Mr. Fox is any different to that. You know, there's a lot about that the Mr. Fox has the dad looking after his family and making sure everyone's all right. Um, and normally the families in his movies are quite large and they've, they're, they're, all, they're all weird characters within the family. And all, all, his movies are always about kind of exploring that, that, that dynamic in the family and what's, what's broken about the family unit. And, uh, and just filming people as they go about trying to fix it, normally failing from from memory in most of the films that I've watched. Yeah, no, he's I I did you could really see his kind of style on this uh, on this uh, on this movie. You, it's, and it's it's always good to see, to realize that to kind of look at a film and be able to say that's directed by you know Wes Anderson because you can tell you know you don't really want a there's a direct, I think a director and a writer should have a certain style. Yeah, and I think Wes Anderson really nails that very well. I'd say from from even just watching one of his movies, you know. Yeah, there's, that definitely kind of stands out as being kind of weird, quirky, all that kind of stuff, and uh, and that comes across in spades uh, in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Absolutely. Did you have any favorite characters or favorite moments yourself? Um, man, so I had I I liked so many characters. Um. I felt that, I mean, George Clooney was brilliant in this. Like, I just think <laughs> yeah. he nailed, he nailed it. I think from if you said that someone had the voice, fantastic, Mister Fox, George Clooney would not spring to mind at all. Right. But, but somehow he does it so well and and so believably. It's it is very, he is very good at it. I also liked um, the um, his wee companion. What was you said the name of the animal? What was it? Oh, that's, so his, his best pal was called Kylie the Opossum. <laughs> yes, I liked Kylie. He was funny just because because like, when I remembered he was in it when I first saw him, I was like, oh, this guy's a drag. He sort of just just he's not he's not that great. I don't know why Mr. Fox brings him around. This is actually when I watched it, I was like, oh no, I actually kind of like Kylie. He's he's good because like yeah. that, that's the thing that the the he was kind of the comic relief of it, but it doesn't yeah. he doesn't it doesn't need comic relief. Do you know what I mean? The film's no. funny enough, but somehow he just fits in very beautifully. So, um, no, I liked him as well. And then I liked, I did like Willem Dafoe as, as the rat. 
Yeah, absolutely. He was very sinister and creepy <laughs> and just stupid overall. Um, yeah. Especially that wee bit at the end when he was just, all he wanted was a bit of cider. Um, <laughs> that was so stupid, but so funny. Um, and then I liked um, Badger. I, mean, I liked Badger as well. When yeah. he was like, are you cussing me? And they had that whole joke about, what the cuss? <laughs> that was good. I liked how that consistently kind of went on for the whole movie. What, what about I think you? There's, well, it's t- yeah, and that, that's a lovely touch as well, right? Because there's mm-hmm. a nod there to the fact that a lot of the times when you'll see uh, animated movies or movies that are stereotypically kids, like labelled kids' movies, the language will be cleaned up a lot compared to either movies, you know, more adult movies or just more adult life where you tend to get more kind of uh, darker language, swear and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was really clever that they just, you know, whenever they're evidently these adults do speak to each other in the same way, but they just remove the swear word and put in the word cuss. And that was brilliant. (laughs) That's it, because it also lends it with a bit of realism as well, because kids will yeah. watch that and kids aren't daft. They know that adults swear and they know that other kids swear. So actually it's kind of a little sly nod to the fact that this isn't real, but we're trying to make it real and the language makes it real, even though we're making the language unreal. It's really clever, really clever. Oh, and one more thing. I loved Michael Gambit as uh, Bean. <laughs> Oh, you know, he was brilliant. Because yeah, like, it was petrifying. It took me it a fantastic. wee minute just to realise it was him. And I was like, oh my God, all I can hear is Michael Gambit now. And I love it. Like, he was so, he was, every, yeah. time he, every time he spoke, I was like, that's that's very good. But um, it was, I don't know was, Yeah, no, I thought uh, that the Bean character was amazing. Said that mm-hmm. he, he was the kind of most evil of the farmers, I think. And he was just, uh, the farmers were genuinely scary to look at. And it was so weird because the, mm-hmm. The animation was, it was almost like a, a real human face, but on a model puppet. And it was it was like a kind of Punch and Judy style. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the three farmers or the, the humans. I think it was Bean's wife was probably the most terrifying out of all of them. Yeah, she did um, deliberately made her really scary. Yeah. And mm-hmm. had a real kind of Punch and Judy look about them, that kind of long face and long nose. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, but, but the animation, to be fair, the animation all round was mental. Right, so mm-hmm. I've got got a bit of a quiz for you on mm-hmm. the animation, right? Well, Ready cool. to go? Yep. So how many individual shots do you think were required to make the movie to the nearest thousand? Okay. So obviously stop motion, they need to, after yeah. every shot, they need to just adjust mm-hmm. the, the way that the puppets are sitting or looking, all that kind of stuff. So how many to the nearest thousand oh, shots man. do you think? I should have oh, said this is a quick snap. fire round. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No, but like, I don't, because I'm going to make myself look like a real idiot here. Um, no, really. Who's, I mean, like, who would know this? I only like, know it because I looked it up. It's 250,000 too much. Too much. It is too much. It is too much. Okay, Fifty okay. around fifty-six thousand shots. Okay, okay. Yeah, wow, that's that's still a lot. Like how many how many puppets do you think they needed? So bear in mind that obviously the puppets are gonna go through wear and tear. Oh, okay. So it's not just as easy as saying, so well, there was twelve characters, so there would be twelve puppets. It's probably about what a hundred puppets? Five hundred and twenty puppets. So, Mr. F- but the Mr. Fox character had 102 puppets Good just for his character. 
because they, apparently they needed, they had him in various clothes and styles, but they also needed to have every one of his puppets in six different sizes wow. to fit in with the different things that they needed to do with him. Mm. Uh, and the other thing I was reading was the animal puppets were all made with real animal hair to try and give it a, a kind of yeah. authentic look. And I thought that worked really. I mean, it, 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 when I was watching the puppets, it did make me think of like taxidermy when someone stuffs a pet mm. uh, or someone stuffs an animal and it had that look of, <laughs> I mean, there's nothing, Mr. Fox doesn't look particularly alive. Do you know what I mean? Because it's stop motion. <laughs> But he does look like someone's kind of stuffed fox, stuffed a fox, and occasionally he just moves his eye and things like that. It was really, I think that was because it was real animal hair that they used. Yeah, uh, yeah, that last, to make that last the, fact. The puppets. That last fact doesn't surprise me because it was, it did look really real and really yeah. kind of weird at times. But I think yeah. it was a very well done animation wise. Did it? Did it? Oh, incredible! Did this, win it, this this won an Oscar, right? This this. No, no, it was nominated for two. No, so this should have won an Oscar. Even what? just for animation. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're eleven years late. Eleven years late with your protest. I don't know. I don't know if the Academy are still listening. Snap. <laughs> no, this should have. In all seriousness, no. This should have won a. This should have got something. Well, it, was, it was nominated for best animated movie, but it didn't win. What won? What won? I don't know. You have, to have a, you have to have I'm a look. Google it. I'm going to Google it. Um, and it was also nominated for best soundtrack, best score. I think. Um, um, so to... not necessarily the songs, but the, the musical accompaniment that went with the film got nominated as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the score was all right. I mean, it was... I just remember. Because, I mean, a good sc- if something has a good score, you should also be able to remember some tune from it. Yeah, um, I was feeling the same way. I don't remember that much about the score. I remember so. some... There some, I mean, some... Yeah. Tunes. Uh, and Jarvis Cocker. I don't know if you'll remember Jarvis Cocker. Jarvis Cocker was a singer with a band called Pulp, who were really huge in kind of late 90s, early 2000s in the UK. And Jarvis Cocker ended up singing on the soundtrack. He sings the song where the guy's playing by the campfire with his banjo. Uh, so he, he oh, wrote yeah. that. Yes. He was just kind of made up, made up song about Fantastic Mr. Fox. And then Michael Gambit's like, it was a bad song, Petey. Yeah, it seems like you're just making up the words. <laughs> it was really good. Absolutely. So I'm just having a look at category for 2009. Fun fact: Do you know which movie won an Oscar for the animated movie I've of 2001? No idea. Shrek. Ah, oh, I mean, it. It it's won. a classic, isn't it? You're not. <laughs> what's it? So Shrek. Shrek, Shrek won, won an Oscar in 2009. In 2001. I was just pointing oh, out the Shrek. Oh, sorry, in 2001, yeah. yeah oh, no, that's I no surprise. Shrek I was amazing. I didn't realise that Shrek won an Oscar. That's bad. So 2009, the nominations were Fantastic Mr. Fox, Princess and the Frog, Secret of Kells, I don't know what that is, um, Coraline and Up. Guess which one the Oscar went to? Up. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I would I would say Hands Down Up's a better movie than Fantastic I'd say Fox. Hands Down that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gotcha. No, I mean, fair enough. I mean, I'd say... Fantastic Mr. Fox would probably require more talent animation-wise, just from what you're yeah. saying. Well, yeah. Shots yeah. and effort would be more. But, I mean, Up is a great movie. But, I mean, from, from yeah, I'd say voice acting for sure is probably better in Fantastic Mr. Fox than Up, no? Yes, I think. So you're saying, so you're, oh, okay, so you're saying down to story-wise. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. no, maybe not even that, right? I 
I would, if I'm just thinking about which movie I prefer, I would, I prefer Up because mm-hmm. I go on more of an emotional journey with Up. Um, okay. Even though it's more traditional in terms of like what the story is about, it is less quirky. And I love that about Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think Up, Up is very funny at times, but mm-hmm. it's also very touching. And, okay. you know, even in the first couple of minutes of Up, you start to feel something and you start to relate to the characters. Um, and actually, the more I think about it, Up is daft. Do you know what I mean? They fly off and they end up in some weird land where a dog can talk and all this kind of stuff. So it is it is really daft Up, but there's an emotional punch with Up, I think, which stays with me. Like, I've, I saw Up when it came out in the pictures and I absolutely loved it. And it's stayed with me till now. I can still remember a lot about that movie, even though I haven't seen it since. And I don't, think I'll, don't think I'll feel the same about Fantastic Mr. Fox. But I agree with you that Fantastic Mr. Fox huge amount of effort, huge amount of quality in terms of voice acting. But that's an interesting point that actually even though it it's you know stop motion so it might require more physical effort than like a digital picture, mm-hmm. um that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be better. No. Think, you know? No, because a lot of these um a lot of these a lot of these films that have been have won in this category in this uh, category are because a lot of it is because of uh, quality of animation. I mean, there's tons of Pixar's ones on here, but there's also yeah. um, you've got Rango. I mean, that's fairly famous for its weird, absurd animation style. Yeah, you've got um, a movie that I'm hoping we could do in a couple of weeks. We've got Spider-Man to the Spider Verse. Uh, um, yeah, that's yeah. really well done animated style. And then you've got kind of, and then you've just got kind of generic Pixar. You know, Toy Story, your Coco. Your not to say they're bad movies. I mean, I love Coco. But um, Big Hero Six is not a great one. But do you know, it's, I think Pixar have dominated this category for a good while. Yeah, and that's probably why it's quite nice to still have these stop motion movies coming in and and people yeah. that take the time because it it probably would have been easier in the modern age to say, do you know what, let's just do it digitally, where you know we come up with the ideas, we do the voice acting, and then we send it off to a. a a, a team of people who'll create it for us, but mm. there's obviously something. There's obviously something more creative or more uh, determined that they're going to create something more tangible than another digital movie. So I quite, you know, kudos to the director and the filmmakers for for doing that. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, shall we? Shall we have a chat about the um the the kind of the the um what, what yeah what do you, what do you think of Mr Fox's sort of arc in the sense of him kind of going away from his life of crime if you like and then coming back to it and then how that ends up and how he was kind of redeemed what do you yeah what do you make of all that yeah uh, I I quite like it I could probably relate to that they talk about um have you heard the term like midlife crisis yeah yeah yeah. Right, so what's your understanding of a midlife crisis? This, that, is, this would be good speaking to a 17-year-old <laughs> about what it is. <laughs> that like, you know, at some time in your midlife, you kind of have a kind of realisation that you have to do some this one thing before your life ends, I guess. If that's, so, if that's from, I guess, um, getting into some absur- absurd kind of hobby or just kind of, I guess, in a sense, kind of maybe just, I mean, on a, on a kind of extreme example would be kind of, Dave's a kind of family man, he's ordinary, he's this, 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 and this, and he suddenly realises that he has a knack for skydiving at the age of 49. (laughs) 
That's a better midlife crisis. Are you pitching a movie again? Is your new movie? <laughs> Dave the Skydiver. Dave the Skydiver. Sky Dave. Sky Dave. Scave. Scave. So, yeah. yeah. So there's a there's this, and the, and any idea why why do you think that happens to people? Um, I mean, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't, no, you're not. That's, I know. That's, that's I don't, the thing. I don't know the cause of it. I thought it was just kind of just. Is it kind of is it kind of like you look around you and you're like, what am I what am I doing? Is that, well, you, is that yeah, well, kind kind of so so you it's as a right you're seventeen right so tell me that I'm going to be the risk is I'll be like extremely patronising and you can just tell me to shut up right but um, at the age of seventeen you've still got right stereotypical patronising granddad type phrase you've still got your whole life ahead of you right mm-hmm. yes. so you're looking at the future and you're thinking right everything whether it's relationships whether it's work whether it's travel whether it's just general experience you're looking thinking oh there are certain things that i really want to do and the world is my oyster i can do any of them i might need to earn some money to do some of them or i might need to be lucky to meet certain people in order to do some of them but there's a huge amount of opportunity out there and who knows what might happen yeah Mm -hmm. that's the, the kind of optimistic kind of teenage viewpoint and then things change slightly as you get older because you end up going down certain paths. So you might go down a certain path with your career or with your relationship or with your family that maybe fits in line with that original, oh, anything could happen. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe things just happen to you and you didn't see them come in, so they kind of blindside you, but you still have to cope with them and deal with them and accept them as part of your life. But the thinking is that people get into their 40s and 50s and they start to think, actually... I'm now 40 and 50. I've, 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 I've lived considerably longer than you know, a 17, 18-year-old, but I haven't done all the things that I wanted to do. And looking ahead, if the next 20 years, in 20 years, right, so in, in 25 years, I'll be 68, right? So I'm 43 now. 25 years, I'll be 68. If the next 25 years go as fast as the last 25 years, because 25 years ago I was 18, then, oh my God, I don't have much time. So when you're 17 and you look ahead, you know, the age of 68 is a long way away. Mm. But when you get to 43 and I look back 25 years to when I was your age, I think, my God, that's hardly any time at all. That has passed really fast. That's how scary it is. Like I've blinked and those 25 years have gone. So it makes you start to think, oh, my God, I've only got 25 years until I'm 68 and retired. I've got to do all of those things really, really quickly. And I think that's why... People go out and buy red motorbikes and, you know, suddenly book the holiday of a lifetime or, you know, they, they, you know, there's obviously deeper stuff. They change their relationships or they change their job and go and do something crazy different, all that kind of stuff. Because the fear is, oh, my God, I've, I've actually, although I've got 25 years or I've got 30 years until I'm in my 70s, I don't, that I know now that that isn't that much time. So... I don't know. I don't know if this is meant to make you feel any better. <laughs> Not really. So basically, the moral is: if you want to do any crazy stuff, get it out of the way now. Because I tell you what, when you get to forty-three and you start doing crazy stuff, then you're only going to twist an ankle or hurt your back or something like that. Your body is no longer capable of doing the stuff you wanted to do. Or break. Yeah, or break both your wrists. Yeah. I wasn't even in my forties when I did that. My God, I wasn't even close. <laughs> so yeah. Wait, 
how old were you when you your third? I was, you were in your thirties. It was probably about. I was probably just turned. Probably just 30, 31, Yeah, and I broke broke my wrist. This sounds really bad for anyone who's listen, For anyone who is listening, is unaware. Uh, I broke my wrist uh, snowboarding, which makes me sound really cool. But actually, I was on a learner slope for the first day, and it was indoor. Uh, I was just a really yeah. It was, oh, I didn't know. It was indoors. I didn't right? know it was indoor. Horrendous. That kind of, oh, I kind of pictured this kind of huge slope that you're going down, and you no, tried it was, to it was oh, indoor no. on the beginner slope. Uh, terrible. Fell down. Like three kids whooshed past me while I was still cradling my wrists and my in my hand. I mean, my hand, my hand was about three foot away oh, from me no. at the time, but I was still cradling my wrists. So uh, no, so that's that was my. Goodness. I'll take that. That'll, that can be my midlife crisis. Snowboarding at 30 or whatever. That was close enough. I'll have a third third life crisis or quarter quarter life crisis. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, Mr. Fox's midlife crisis is a crisis that he already kind of did. It's kind of, he goes back to going... Well, that's, yeah, that's well, he, like I guess the he sort of betrays rush, his family it? in a way. Risking... Because he, he, he is, he's selfish. Yeah, he's self he's selfish because he risks their lives. He knows that if this goes wrong, yeah. do you know you know, worst case scenario, his kids could grow up without a father. But to make it the bit that made me go, like, why? Like, was the bit when they they're caught, they dig down. Yeah. Fair enough. But then they get the point where the badger finds them, all the animals find them are like, <laughs> yeah. yo, what are you doing? Like you'd be you'd be pretty you'd be pretty angry if your neighbor did something to make all <laughs> yeah, of you go into hiding. Angry, yeah. You'd be angry though. Yeah. Yeah, right. But then but then instantly he then goes, guys, I have an idea. And they all go, Oh yeah, let's go. Let's let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's go. That's you know what I mean. Like, hang on a minute. You'd be saying, Let's let's keep this guy on close watch. Do you know what I mean? He's already destroyed our yeah, maybe, homes. Maybe maybe he's not the best leader. Let's, you know, shut him up. But you know, like he's instantly yes, thank goodness the idea kind of paid off. But even still, like, oh, I would not don't know if I'd be trusting him. After. It's George Clooney though, it's charismatic. But, um, it's George Clooney though, isn't it? Yeah, bat nipples. <laughs> <laughs> goodness me. No, I think no. Um, but that that was maybe my only nitpick about it all. And I didn't. And the only character. Did, well, did you have any characters? No, you didn't I don't like? think so. I think um, the. I think maybe the two other okay. farmers were kind of underused compared to Bean, but then I think that's just because Bean was the meaner, the meaner of the three, um, and he was Michael Gandalf. And he was Michael Gandalf. Um, but uh, but no, no, I, th- I think uh, the characters were good fun. I, I really like them. I have. I, I felt that you know how the um, the the only kind of purpose of the nephew coming was to change the Mr. Fox's son to make kind of redeem sure. him and to make him more. Socially yeah. active, if you like. Um, I didn't. I never really, even when, even when the son did kind of be like, "I'm sorry, I'm a jerk," and all this. I never really, I never liked. Do you know what I mean? I never liked him. I never was like, "Fair, fair, fair enough, mate." I never, I, but I didn't, I didn't hate him either. That was the thing. Like he just felt Ooh, a bit son. out of place at times. And I felt that Mr. Fox, yeah, and I felt that Mr. Fox never really appreciated him, even at the end. Like you know when he was like. Oh, um, I know I treated you harshly, and this, 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 and you are a really great son. You're what I asked for, this, this, this. And then he was like, Oh, yeah, you guys have to stay in the sewers while I go and do the fetch quest. Like, well, hang on a minute, right? If you cared about him so much and wanted to 
do you know what I mean? And I know it's still, I know it's dangerous going out there, but I mean, thank God he was, you could see it coming. You could see he would be in the trailer and, oh, yay, my son's, what's my son doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I think it would have been more of a, a, a better, a better, more of a development decision if he had said to him, you come with me. We but then, for hands. is that, again, you know that's I mean? coming back. So, so this director is known for doing films that are all about like family dysfunction and stuff like that. And in, in, your stereotypical movie where there is that kind of relationship between a father and a son, then most of those movies will end with that kind of romantic ending of the son has redeemed himself in the eyes of the father or the son forgives the father or the father gives the son a chance and the two of them end up best relationship ever. And actually, that isn't how life works. Do you know what I mean? Fathers and sons fall out all the time. and they're, they're, You know, the dysfunctional ones don't have like one moment. But in real life, yeah, but in real life, foxes don't talk. And or you got so three, you three quarters think. of the movie to see this. Do you well, know yeah, what I mean? but that's but that's the thing. You, <laughs> you, I mean, I accept that foxes don't talk because if I if I don't accept that, I'm not going to watch the movie. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to give up after two minutes. Going, this is right. This is talking foxes. I'm going to suspend my disbelief for that. But that's what's quite good is the sense that it's still, it's not a. It, the, the the director's still being true to what he sees as a family unit. He's not going to suddenly turn it around and say. Because you're right, the Ash, the son, was quite irritating and he was quite awkward Ash, and he, he was, yeah. yeah and, it was, was and, to be. and the worst thing that could have happened is it got to the end and suddenly he was this lovely, perfect boy in the eyes of everyone, you know, because that's just not his character. Leopards don't change their spots and foxes don't change whatever, but foxes don't change. So there's that, you know, he, he was still quite irritating and a bit selfish and all that kind of stuff. But, um, mm. You know, he'd, he'd at least had some redemption. But yeah, there wasn't, <laughs> their relationship's never going to be easy because a lot, a lot of fathers no. expect their sons to be like them. And that's, that, you know, that, and, and that's mm. what they see as being a good thing. And actually, that's not necessarily always a good thing. And, and God, how many sons are exactly like their fathers? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I mean, I just felt that the whole movie was kind of about kind of being yourself and being the ah, animal yeah. that you are. And then at the end, he was because they're all like, "Yeah, we're animals. What are you, rabbit?" And he's like, "What are you good at?" He's like, "Oh, you know." But and then at the end, he was like, "I'm an animal too." And he's like, "Oh yeah, but you have to stay in the yeah. everyone." Do you know what I mean? And it was a bit like, "Oh well, you kind of just contradict yeah. yourself in many yeah, ways." Yeah, you know, point. you're saying that everyone's fighting an animal and then you're like oh well wait a minute no you have to stay here and i know that someone has to stay and look after the baby rabbits and whatever but even still it did feel a bit like uh it's not yeah it just would have been nice for them to have a wee bit more of a relationship but um i still did think that like i still it didn't make me hate it, it made me dislike ash more than uh, okay mr fox okay um what what did you what did you make of the uh the whole ending and the whole kind of um they 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 get Chris Christopherson back and then they they just they dig up and they find a supermarket and it's revealed that it's bogus about to be in supermarket and it's funny because no. that's not how the book ends the book ends with uh, the okay. feast underground cool. so they've kind of modernised that a little yeah. bit so and they've thrown it in the face bit, of yeah. bogus Bunsen Bean yeah film yeah a wee bit more of a kind of we they got them in the end, which is which is the same in the book. Uh, okay, the cool. the produce. So yeah, no, it's good. I like it. It's um, good. it's, it's yeah. kind of typical Roald Dahl, isn't it? It's quite twisted, um, and mm. the bad guys get their comeuppance, but they get their comeuppance in a very human 
way, you know, that nobody nobody dies or anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's just uh, no, no. You know, the good guys, the good guys win, um, but it it doesn't. It's not overstated, and it's not uh, particularly nasty. It's just um, that little bit twisted, which I think is that was always what appealed to me about Roald Dahl as a kid was that it wasn't cheesy and schmaltzy and you know it could be scary and it could be creepy without being overly scary mm-hmm. like yeah. whether it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or James and the Giant Peach there was just stuff I think as a kid you don't want to be scared but you do want to be on edge No, and his books yeah. for young kids are very yeah. good at, at keeping them on edge I don't remember ever being scared by the twits but I remember thinking I don't want to meet a twit those guys are. <laughs> I'm glad these guys are in the book because, because I would, and I'm glad, and and I appreciate that this is the world of the book, and the same with like the BFG and things like yeah. that. Some of the characters in there, you you, and it's uh, it, therefore it's probably the same with Bogus Bunsen Bean. Um, they are just the right amount of creepy, weird, mean. Mm. Mean's a good word for it, isn't it? Because it's not they're not it's not evil, it's not nasty, yeah. but there is a meanness. Uh, meanness to, to it and mm-hmm. I think it's daft not to acknowledge that kids don't see meanness and and don't don't respect it so mm-hmm. no, I think that was really good I liked it yeah I, I, I did like the bit when they came off and it was because that supermarket <laughs> looks so nice like just like animation wise like like it's true though like it just it was like so that was a like, lockdown satisfying. that was a lockdown it was like stark and what it was, but that was like, it's like it's so crisp. But I think, like, even, but even, like, but it's a strange ending in the sense that I'd say neither the good guys or the bad guys won because either way, the, being like the, being bogus and they're, they're all gonna they're gonna check the tickets <laughs> and produce is gonna be disappearing, and they're gonna it's gonna continue going. Yeah. The, the, the chase so it's not really an an end you know they all get up and they dance in the supermarket but it's and it's getting to imply kind of like they, they, they won but it's they, they didn't really win do you know no so no well yeah. maybe they're just taking the small taking the little victory i know that i know they are i know they've got <laughs> it kind of irritated me is it not irritated me but kind of just made me go that's kind of a peculiar choice in a kid's book neither yeah. the good guys or bad guys won um, yeah, which is kind of unusual, <laughs> but no. I wonder what would you have preferred to have happened? That they they kill all the animals. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they bring out Mister Fox and they shoot him in the head on live TV. <laughs> that's what they wanted to do. That is what they wanted to do. No, I think well, I, that's I, what the farmers wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they had all yeah. the life, and it was mad. No, I think um, I think I would have. Um, I think I think I agree with the book, Sandy. Leave it, just let them, or do or do a chicken run, or do a chicken run, and let them find just another land. Yeah, and just let them chill. <laughs> so no, I don't. Do you think this would warrant a sequel in that sense? Because the story, like I said, the story's not finished. I think um, the only thing, right, this is really cynical, right, but the only thing that ever warrants a sequel in terms of movies is how well the movie did financially. Yeah, okay, fair that's enough. The only t- that's the yeah. only time you ever get, like, a sequel uh, greenlit. But I don't I don't think there was ever any intention of writing it in the no. hope there would be a sequel. No, I don't no. think this movie did very well. 
financially from from what I remember. I don't I don't think it made a lot of money, but you you can afford to not make a lot of money when you're just doing voice acting because you pay the actors a lot less, and that's the main cost. Mm. So, but um. I, you know, I don't think for a second they were ever making it thinking, oh, if this did really well, we'd make a sequel. No. But then what tends to happen is if a movie does well, then the studios want sequels because they see it as guaranteed income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's likely that if someone's gone to see the first movie, they'll be invested enough to go and see a second movie. Yeah. And it, and it gives them that certainty or, or what they think is certainty. But no, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, I... I enjoyed it watching it last night as just a bit of light entertainment but I would never you know we talked we talked last week in Gun City about how you wouldn't watch Gun City as a bit of light entertainment because it's <laughs> yeah. hard it's hard work yeah you didn't have to there, there was no hard work required for this movie you could just put it on and have a bit of a chuckle yeah but it, it at the same time I don't I don't think I'm going to remember a lot about it in five years time do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think it was just it was just a nice a nice bit of a laugh on a on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's all right. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah, no, and I don't think Wes Anderson would do a, would do a sequel. I don't. He'd be up for. Yeah. It. yeah, you have some directors like that who do a really good movie. Like an example of that's like um, you haven't seen Joker, have you? No, no, no. So like when that came out, it got it got a billion, great film, and then it kind of. It didn't hint towards a sequel because the sequel with that to that would just be a Batman movie, but yeah. um, but there were all these reports came out of like and it was like places like Deadline and like like pretty valid sources were like reporting that Todd Phillips had signed on to a second one and turns out he he, he hadn't and it was right. like I, th- I think it's strange that some directors will do a great movie and just not like and not and however much the studio wants to to pay them to do a sequel they just won't do it. No, and I, I think there's a bit of um, thing is that the studios well, wouldn't be somewhere else. If the studio wants to do it, it means that yeah, they're not, they're not doing it for the money. Do you know? They're doing it to tell a story, which is what films should be all about. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think, absolutely. But no. So shall we? Shall we do a bit of a rating? Yeah, let's do it, mate. Absolutely. Who's going first? Do you want to? Do you want to go first? I can go first. I gave it uh, three stars, a solid three stars. I uh, enjoyed it. Don't think it's going to stay with me. It was a bit daft and a bit quirky, but that was a good thing. Um, but obviously the effort and the time that had gone into it was great. I think the point you made about the voice acting was really good. Um, but at the same time, but the story wasn't the story wasn't strong enough for me okay. to 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 really really care about it. But a three out of five is still is still good in my eyes. Good fun. Good fun. <laughs> what about yourself? Yeah. Um I'm gonna give it a four out of ah, cool. a four out of five. Um for I mean, yeah, love the voice acting, love the animation style. Um felt the story started off strong, but had some inconsistencies ah. towards the end. I'd say yeah, just the ending felt a bit messy for me, but apart from that, I'd say it was a good, a good, good movie that you should. I'd, I'd say I'd recommend it to a decent amount of people. Hey, would you not? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it would be good. Like I would have loved it if I'd watched it at school. Um, as a kid, I would probably really enjoy it as a kid because it's it doesn't it doesn't patronise me as a kid. It it 
you know, it, it does play the film out in a very adult way. Mm. So I would have probably really enjoyed it. But I don't know, as an adult watching it, nah, I don't I don't think I would I can't think of too many of my friends or people I know who would like really love ninety minutes of Fantastic Mr. Fox. No, probably not. But that's okay. not to say it's not a good film. No, I think um I think I'd recommend it to this is very much Absolutely. a family movie. Though. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. Like, yeah. But I, I see what you mean. I feel like the yeah, older people would probably not. It Like, it does have reference, like we discussed, it does have references to, you know, this this film can be for everyone in the sense that with the cussing, yeah. that joke's kind of funny, kind of acknowledges the adult kind of themes in it. But, and we've talked about the midlife crisis, but yeah, I, I get that. But no. So where does that, where does that rank so on our... Uh, it ranks... Uh, on our leaderboard, it ranks leaderboard alongside rank. one other film. There's one other film we've given seven out of ten when you combine it. Can you remember what that film was? Mm-hmm. It, it was not. It no, it was speech, Okja. Was it? So it ranks alongside okay. Okja. Yeah, I'd say that's. Yeah, um, I'd say that's fair. So we have got from from the bottom to the top, we've got Gun City on four and a half. We've then got Okja and Fantastic mm-hmm. Mr. Yep. Fox on seven out of ten. We've got Hunger Games at seven and a half. Yep. We've got um, your favourite Citizen mm-hmm. Kane at eight point two five, and still at the top we've got King's Speech and Green Book on eight point five. If you had to pick, if you had to pick your favourite out of yeah. Green Book and King's Speech, what would your favourite be? Ah, so mine would be King's Speech. Ah, interesting. Oh, there you go. So yeah, they are very much tied at the top because we can't even agree on which one's better out of those two. So. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how things stand, and we are now looking at week eight. Um, okay, yeah. I, never, I never thought we'd get yeah, past week, week four. So this is fantastic. So week eight uh, is set during an historic war. So have we had any recommendations? Yes, it is not 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 week eight. Week eight, hopefully, a war <laughs> Sorry, will week eight will not be set next well. Week. I mean, who knows where 2020 is going to take us? Could be, could be. Oh, man. Did we, uh, I think I sent over some um, shout-outs for you to go through, Charlie. Have you got them in front of you? I have indeed, yes. So, um, Gregor, uh, he recommended Three Kings, um, which sadly is not on. Uh, Another another, uh, George Clooney Uh, movie. We do, we do. It's really good. but thank you for the recommendation. We got Jonathan Kersey. Yeah, I've never heard, never heard never John. John Jonathan. Um, I, I'm actually, now, the more you say it, the more I think, actually, no, let's keep that in. It's hilarious. He'll be, if he does, does listen, he'll be giggling <laughs> to himself. No, brilliant. So Jonathan um, said, um, man, he suggested so many. He said, but he said he can't listen to us because he doesn't have Spotify. But I mean, we're also on Anchor. We we're on, well, we're on a, we're on, a, a yeah, absolutely. We're on. We've got more platforms than we so have many platforms. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness me, man! Um, he suggested Kelly's Heroes, Apocalypse Now, Dirty Dozen, Wild Geese, Platoon, Where He Goes There, and Six Six Hundred Thirty Three. Is it Six Three Six Hundred Thirty Six Three Three Squadrons? Fine, yeah. Six Three Three Squadron. Um, so thank you for that recommendation, <laughs> Jonathan. Um. And then Greg um, 
Sloss said, A Bridge Too Far is good because it has a ridiculous number of huge names in it and it's sort of a film you recreate <laughs> with your pals playing soldiers. I fancied that one, but it's not on Blimin, uh Netflix or Prime. So, but thank you. Yeah, for yeah there's a, a lot of good uh, ones. And I actually, to be fair, there was uh, another one of my uh, former work colleagues, Mick, uh, recommended two movies, The Great Escape and Escape to Victory, but said, suggested that you could combine the two so it was the great escape to victory have you heard of i'm guessing you've heard of the great escape right yes so yes so that was going to be one of Ah. my uh, recommended i actually had three recommended i know we're supposed to do with two but i kind of went with three um so it was the great escape okay there's there's one that's on netflix um and then i was gonna pick um um let me see if i can find it um um, it was there. It is. I was gonna, in memory of Chadwick Boseman, who sadly passed yeah. away um, yesterday. Well, that's from filming it. Um, I was gonna suggest The Five Bloods, which was the last movie he did, a Netflix oh, okay. uh, war movie about Vietnam. Um, it was an eighteen, and I think ah. from what I saw, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. It's a Spike Lee movie, actually. So how do we can do that one? Because I think it's oh, okay. pretty brutal. <laughs> um, but um. So no, um, it was um, the Great Escape. Um, I'm just trying to find the name of it because um, I kept forgetting it. It had, it's it's some oh what is it? It's like it's got Tom Hanks in it, and it's like is it Bridge of Spies? Uh, that's okay. it, Bridge of Spies. So that's kind of a um, yeah. a Cold War one, but Soviet kind of spy movie more. Um, and then the last one um, was. It's got Chris Hemsworth in it, and it's called okay. 12 Strong. So that's following 9-11, a dozen US soldiers mount up on horse, horseback in Afghanistan to help a local warlord take on a mutual enemy, inspired oh, by... Right, Shirtless. okay, so go through the three again, because of... <laughs> so 12... Yeah. So 12 Strong. Yeah. Great, the Great Escape, or um, Bridge of Spies. Oh, and have you seen any of them? Right. No, I haven't seen any of them. So take your pick. So I'm no. no so no. I've never seen, seen the any Great Escape, and and you know oh. it's ridiculous that I've got to this age and never seen the Great Escape. Um, yeah, oh, I think we're going to have to go for that one. Let's do the Great Escape. Yeah, no, totally. I agree. No, no, that's good. No, I've, I've always, I was. Let me triple check it's on Netflix because I did see it this morning. So you know, you know how Netflix can be. You cool. look at it this morning. And it disappears. The minute you, the minute it hears you say you're going to watch it, yeah, right. it's on the Great Escape. Let's uh, let's do that. Yes. Let's make it the we'll Great Escape. Fab. Look forward to mm-hmm. that. And then week nine. Uh, for those of you listening who do like mm-hmm. to uh, give us a suggestion, we need an independent film. So, what would you? What, mm-hmm. How would you classify an independent film, Charlie? What kind of things are we looking for? Do you reckon? Is an independent film like a film that's been um, produced by like a not a huge big company like Disney or like yeah. it's more of like a absolutely do you know where I'm kind of going yeah so like a maybe uh, like an Okja well that's a see that's where it gets a bit tricky because Okja was was made by Netflix, oh, that's Netflix yes, and original I think it's becoming ah, it used to be much easier to determine what was studio and what was independent um. And mm. now I think it's getting a lot harder because so many of these, you know, Netflix now would probably be described as a studio, uh, as would Amazon, because they, they make so much content yeah. and fund so much stuff. So 
Um, yeah, it, it, let's see what people offer. I think we'll just put out there, we're looking for an independent movie, and let's see what, what comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll pick a couple and, uh, and offer them to you next week uh, for you to choose. Brilliant. I'll also just add, sadly, that um, I was, due to my lack of researching and idiocy, um, um, I know I said the week 10 yeah. we could possibly do Bill and Ted um, for music because it was announced that it would come up on streaming. But um, due to um, lack of communication and just lack of marketing, it's only on the streaming uh, in the US, okay. I didn't realize. So um, if people from the UK want to see it, we actually have to go into cinemas and risk our lives. Um, right, okay. Which isn't great, to be honest. That's all right. We'll go back to it. But um, so no, we can't do, we can't do Fantastic Mr. Fox. We can't do no. We can't. We just did it. We can't do Bill and Ted. But I have an I have an idea for week ten that I can. Okay, I'll to the show it. So it's the Great Escape from this week coming. Then it's uh, we're looking for nominations mm-hmm. for an independent film, and then we'll catch up again next week and talk about the Great Escape. Brilliant. Did you say awesome, awesome. or possum? I thought you were oh. still talking about fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> really fast. Possum. Cool. <laughs> Possum. No, All right, oh, mate. No, that's a pleasure, bright. as always. Look after yourself, and I will speak to you next week.